Welcome to Sacrifice to Success podcast. My name is David Weaver, and I am the owner of the Forgotten Heart Project. My mission is to help others create freedom in every aspect of their life. In this season of the podcast, we are talking life, business, and what makes you feel alive. We are speaking with business owners and entrepreneurs from all over, hearing about the sacrifices, the learnings, the twists, the turns, the ups and downs, and the successes that they have had in life and business. These are their stories. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode. I am excited to talk today with Jimmy Christiana. Welcome, Jimmy. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about like where you're at and who you are and what your company does. So I started M7 Agency, which is a full service marketing and public relations communications firm um, just outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, we started at the very end of uh, 2018, beginning of 2019. Uh, so got, you know, three years under our belts uh, coming up on three years, one of which was COVID, one and a half years of COVID. Um, but uh, we do uh, anything from website design, development, maintenance, SEO, video production, graphic design, uh, traditional public relations, community relations. Um, we've worked in 20 different industries um, since we started. Cool. And yeah. Awesome. Okay. So uh, how long have you you been an entrepreneur? Is this your first endeavor into being an entrepreneur or did you do something different before that? It's definitely my, my first endeavor into being an entrepreneur. I, I started uh, right out of college, kind of getting involved in politics. And I, I served as a state elected official for 10 years from the time I was like 25 until 35. I had a okay. self-imposed term limit, um, which kind of put an expiration date. In Pennsylvania, we don't, we, don't, uh, uh, we don't have term limits. We don't have required term limits. But, you know, I, I put one on myself. I honored that. After 10 years, I transitioned out, um, graduated from law school and left the legislature all about the same time back in 2018. Um, and then I started M7 um, as I kind of transitioned back into the private sector. So um, definitely my first experience as an entrepreneur. And I think as M7 has grown, there's it's kind of... Um, unveiled opportunities to me uh, to integrate our company from the video production piece um, into other elements of, of our universe, as well as working on some cool tech startup companies as, as, as you know, the CMO or the, the agency of record. Um, and has definitely opened my eyes to different opportunities to, to grow even beyond M7 on kind of an individual basis, because as an entrepreneur, I mean, there's always a, a need for a marketing or a messaging kind of solution. So I think right. it naturally gives me access to, to more startup companies or, or, or a true entrepreneurial spirit rather than just, you know, a business owner, even though that's very much an entrepreneurial mindset too, starting your own business. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. So what, what you got you, like, were you always interested in politics and then, uh, you know, what, what made you put that self-imposed term limit on there? Well, politics, unlike anything else, I just, I don't think anything good happens after 10 years. And I think people's <laughs> frustrations, it's true. I mean, like, I mean, whether you're left, right, center, um, nutty, both sides, right. I, it doesn't really matter. 
Um, I think the system does better with fresh blood uh, mm. coming in. And I, because I was elected so young, I recognized that this wasn't the best job that I would ever have. And mm. I didn't want it to be the best job. I think that's dangerous when elected office is the best job somebody ever has. I didn't want to just, you know, stay in politics. Okay, well, you run for the state house and then you run for Congress and then you run for the Senate and then you run for governor. And then at the end of the career, you look back and you're like, well, my, my legacy is that I, I was really good at convincing people to vote for me. And mm -hmm. that to me did not seem sustainable. Um, and, and, but you can, the thing about the term limit for me was I had this sense of urgency that I think most people don't have in politics mm -hmm. when, you know, yeah. if you're going to stay eight, 10, 15, 20, 30, well, I've been here 30 now, I might as well stay at 40 years and make my whole career. There is not this sense of urgency, but when I had right. that 10 year shelf life and I said like, I'm going to expire in 10 years, like, what am I going to get done? And, you know, whether it was education reform transparency in government, uh, an economic development package that brought $6 billion into my area. There was always this sense of urgency because of that term limit. That's really cool. I think that's a, a very interesting insight that, yeah, I've, I've just never heard that thought process. It's very cool. Okay. And I think, I think it shows through, sorry to, just yeah. to, to, to add to that, because I think it's very clear those that have a finite perspective on their time in elected office versus those that it's just open-ended, you know, mm -hmm. timelines like, Oh yeah, well, you know, the, well, there's, we get to it, you know, we'll get to it. We made a little bit of progress as opposed to no, like I want this done now. I'm going to mm -hmm. find the ways to leave it better than I found it, which is like that guiding principle in my life, no matter what I'm involved in, uh, I want to leave it better than I found it. I mean, mm. that's, that's the ultimate metric in my opinion is where yeah. did you, where'd you take over and where did you leave it? man, you know, um, it's pretty, you know, it's, it's pretty objective in that sense, I think. Yeah. And I think you can, this can be applied to like anything we're doing as even entrepreneurial. I'm just thinking right now, like, you know, when, when you get to a place where you're kind of comfortable, you, you lose a bit of that urgency, but if you can keep the mindset of having some sort of urgency, you can ha have a bigger impact. You can move faster. You can go grow bigger, you know, all of those things. So, yeah, I think that's really cool that you set that for yourself. <clears throat> uh, I, I feel like in many ways it was, you know, it was God's plan from the very beginning. Cause I was 25, 24 when I decided to run, like what did I, I mean, I knew I believed in term limits, but, but what I think take politics out of it, I think after 10 years, it's no matter where you are in 10 years, it's a great time to step back and say, okay, do I, do I keep going? Is this, is this a good path to me? Is this give me the trajectory I want to be on? Am I still mm -hmm. learning as much or am I starting to level off and plateau? And, you know, maybe that's, that's the point where you disrupt it too. You know, um, that 10 year disruption, I think is what maybe some people need, no matter if they're in politics, you know, creating a term limit, so to speak in your own entrepreneurial, um, endeavor, um, or at least the time to reset. Yeah. That's now, as you're saying that I'm thinking, wait, how long was I doing my first thing? I was like, oh, about eight and a half years. And then I started asking myself, is this another 10 year thing or, or is it different? Yeah. And it, it was starts different. bubbling up inside. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's really cool. It's very interesting. Okay. Awesome. So uh, towards the end of that, you like, what made you decide 
M7 and to go in this route is something that you've always been interested in or was it just like a completely new, fun, exciting thing? No, it was definitely a sense of, of frustration. And because I was involved in politics, I was the brand, so to speak. I was the candidate. And, you know, not everybody looks at political consulting, political marketing as marketing. But, you know, from an omni-channel perspective, you know, I was, I, was, I was doing the email blasts. I was doing the TV commercials, the print uh, the video, the website development, the website design, both legislative and political. So I, and I had taken all that branding, the logo and branding, the type treatment. I took all that very seriously um, when I was the brand. Um, but then I got this sense of frustration within the universe, like the political industry, the marketing industry, how segmented PR and marketing was. And then the new age um, it's not segmented, you know? Um, I mean, it is an omni-channel. People are getting their information from so many different platforms. And my, my, my first business partner at the time, um, it, he said to me, what's stopping you from going out and doing this on your own? And I said, predictability. I said, if I just had the predictability that this, I'm right about my frustrations and I think wh where the market is from a marketing PR being siloed, um, I, I would do my own my own thing. And he said, what if, you know, what if I gave you some of the predictability? I said, I'd do it tomorrow. And we started M7. Um, he had another career and he stayed on with me for the first three years. And then it was kind of like, okay, um, it's time now to, you know, transition over to um, me kind of going my own way. And um, it was about as peaceful of a transition as you could be whenever you, you had, you know, partners buying each other out. But without his, you know, his mindset of, predictability giving me that predictability i don't know if i would have been willing to take that full-blown leap but you know i trust in god's plan too that that conversation was exactly what needed to happen and it turns out that um you know uh the business model was right my my instincts were right um and and so i think my experience as the candidate and my exposure to the marketing and pr and messaging universe how to shape public opinion, how to um, emotionally connect with the audience. Um, it all came from running campaigns, uh, political, my own political campaigns. Yeah, that absolutely makes total sense. So, okay, so this, this idea of predictability, I know this is like something that anybody who hasn't achieved that wants, <laughs> like in their business, like that's the most important thing, right? So what, what are some principles or things that you've found to help you create that predictability? So the first thing is, no matter how much I, I've, I've fallen victim, not victim, uh, I guess I was guilty um, of trying to find as much clarity as possible. So for me, the clarity comes in my faith. And it wasn't easy, right? But, but my faith was... Um, uh, and is tremendously important to, to kind of my ambition, so to speak, right? I, I was wildly ambitious when I was first elected and people in politics will put you on this path to being president of the United States, no matter what, right? Um, but after a while, I realized how hollow it was for me to think that I was in control of my own plan. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was running for the U.S. Senate um, right before I left politics. And before I made the decision, and, and, and this ultimately turned into the decision to start M7. I, I really prayed about it. 
and I prayed seeking clarity, clarity. And I reached out to my pastor one morning and uh, I said, hey, can we meet for coffee? Said, yeah, sure. When I said, Friday, I'll be in town. Can we meet? He said, yeah, great, blah, blah, blah. So we set the meeting, but he responds to me and it says, is there anything else you need? And I said, well, actually, could you bring some, some, some scripture on clarity? I'm really struggling with clarity. And in this brilliant way, he brings this book, um, which he says, read this book. And the book is about how the author is seeking clarity and he asks Mother Teresa to pray for him. And it's called Ruthless Trust. And the author asks Mother Teresa to pray for him. And she says, of course, what would you like me to pray for? He says, clarity. She said, I will not pray for you. He said, why? Because your desire to have clarity is a sin and is not and is a, a sin because you're not trusting in God's plan for you. And of course, like brilliant, right? I asked my, I, I'm seeking this just like him. And boom, I realized I'd have enough clarity, put my trust in God's plan. So for me, that's the real clarity is that if you fail or you succeed, it's where you're meant to be. Um, and, you know, there's plenty of examples of people that fail. I lost, I failed in my U.S. Senate race, but I'll tell you, I didn't lose anything. I didn't fail in any way, shape, or form. One, who would want to be in the U.S. Senate right now, by the way? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> Politics has taken a turn for the worse since then. But, but, you know, just when you think you fail, you really learn something that is really the breakthrough. And mm -hmm. um, some people find their, their, their clarity in their family and their loved ones, you know, which is fine. I, I do too. in, in many ways, my kids are going to love me, even if I botch this shoot that I'm on today, uh, or I fail at, uh, you know, starting a sports card shop, right? My kids mm -hmm. are going to love me. My wife's going to love me ish depends on the day, but uh, <laughs> she does. Yeah. Um, but, but I think, I, I think you, you, you have, you, at some point, you're, you're, you, you have to draw the line because you will not have ultimate clarity. There is always mm -hmm. risk. Oh, yeah. Always risk. Yeah. Right. So, so how does that relate to uh, predictability for you? The, well, the predictability for me is um, in that uh, you learn by doing. Mm -hmm. That there is never, there's never a shoot. There's never a client. There's never a pitch. Uh, there's never a proposal that I don't learn from. Um, and I think, I think the, the predictability goes very quickly from, I feel that I'm very predictable. I can trust myself. I will, I am a three on the Enneagram. I don't know if that means anything to you, but you know, I'm, I'm going to work until I get the job done. Mm -hmm. But as you grow in your business and you, um, you have success, your predictability has to come in other people and not just yourself. And yeah. I've gotten a lot of my predictability, my new business partner, Jen, from our communications director, from our graphic uh, design and creative services director. Um, my new predictability comes in, in, in their work product and their talents, their ability, finding the right people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I think um, it's, it's a really interesting topic because like, finding clarity and predictability comes from just making a bunch of just taking action that's like not perfected right just uh, okay we're gonna try this and like ah okay that didn't quite work so let's move over this way and the continual evolution until you you do find something that does create that sustainability where you're like okay we have something that is working really well now and um uh, 
yeah, just not being afraid to to try stuff, I think. And and being like yeah. really I know for me being I'm like really committed. Like, okay, I know this is the thing. I don't know how long it's going to take for me to figure it out, but th- that's okay, right? And I think allowing ourselves to have that just being okay with not knowing what it's going to look like exactly or how long it's going to take as long as our needs are being met, you know, that can be done. I understand if, if your needs are not being met, that's a little harder, but <laughs> yeah, if you have um, a bad product or a bad service, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're probably going to fail. But if you're passionate about what it is you do or why, more importantly, if you're passionate about why you do it, mm-hmm. I don't think you can fail. Like yeah. I think passion and commitment um, are the ingredients that are constant, the, the common denominator in all success. Um, yeah, there's just some really smart people that get lucky, but, you know, uh, okay, so that, those are the outliers. But mm-hmm. the ones that, uh, you know, across the board, the model for me is you got to be passionate. You got to love what you do. I try to, and I try to create an environment because pro- pro- productivity has gone through the roof in the last, I don't know, something about six months, right? We had this little transition with the ownership uh, at the beginning of the year. But when your people love to come to work, there is nothing better than that. Like yeah. we know that, right? As business owners, you know that. I think I read yeah. something recently that Elon Musk said, I didn't become an entrepreneur for the money. I became an entrepreneur to spend you know, to take a Tuesday off or a Wednesday off to, for, to spend time with my boys, right? Like, right. we know that, but, you know, the employees that work for us and work for our team, um, if they have that same level of passion, if they have an owner's mentality, just freaking love to go to work. Productivity mm-hmm. is going to go through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So um, I'd love to hear in, in this process of you being an entrepreneur over the past few years, what is one or two challenges that you have faced? And then what was the lesson that you learned from that? So the one challenge is that the growth opportunities over the course of a year, I've, I've limited it to maybe less than five days. So there's 168 hours in a week. Let's say you're really dedicated to go to work 60 hours a week. You know, you still have that 108 hours um, that you fill some other way. Um, and you put all this effort into, you know, 60 hours a week is a legit week. Some people put 80, but the point here is that you're only going to get those growth moments five days a year. And you just Mm got to keep planting seeds and just keep grinding away. Like the rest of those days, the, the, you know, the 363 days a year are grinders and you got to be cool with grinding it out. Um, And you got to embrace it um, and just keep putting opportunity in front of you. Because you won't get the satisfaction or those growth moments um, very often. Um, but you just got to kind of keep putting yourself in place. You got to keep grinding it out in order to make payroll, uh, to keep you know, overhead operations, make your product better. But those growth moments come very few times. And I do think you have to be at peace with that. If, mm. And this is where that predictability comes from. Like I, don't, I can't give you the predictability that those five days are going to come. But I can tell you that you're not going to get 20 or 30 growth days in a year. So you better just settle in, understand that it takes time and have your peace in grinding it out, grinding it out and being happy about it. Like the grind, unfortunately, has a negative connotation to some a lot. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I don't like I, I I love the grind because those are the days that you're putting yourselves in a position to get those growth moments. So how have I overcome it? I think I think because I have the right mindset, I'm able to calm the anxiety of you know my leadership team or my business partner or you know others that are going through this process, being able to you know tell them that you know pick five days and circle them. Right. It's that random of when you get that phone call that, you know, you just sold a deal that is going to allow you to hire that next person or yeah. to open up that new you know, business line or sell that new product line. Um, and it's really finite. Yeah. 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 And if you're not putting in the work the rest of the time, then those opportunities won't come. So true. Yeah. <laughs> true. Yeah. But I, I also think that there are really, you know, especially in the early days. Right. I mean. Like, you know, I think about your listeners, you know, it's the one that who, who, who can we help? Well, the person that's made it, right, that is there and kind of, you know, on easy street and they're growing through mergers and acquisitions, you know, they're done with organic growth. Um, and it's hard to, you know, it, they, they've, they've accomplished it. You know, mm-hmm. but I do feel for those people in those first couple years that have, you know, COVID has really disrupted their business model. They have to reinvent their business model. Um, they're, 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 they're working hard, maybe for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and they're getting frustrated and dejected. And it's almost like, you may not get it until month six, seven, eight, you might get those five growth days in Q4, right? Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. you got to just stop setting this expectation that just because you're grinding it out for 30 or 60 or 90 days, um, you're going to, you're going to get the growth moments. You know, like there's a beer distributor. I was just talking to somebody the other day, a beer distributor in the area. Been around forever, right? Like the dude's got to grind now. Like you didn't have to grind, but just the changes of the market. Like, you know, are you doing curbside pickup? You doing home delivery? Like, what are you doing to reinvent your business model? Because you can't just hire at 10 bucks an hour under the table. The really, you know, the cool high school kid, like that person is is gone. Yeah. But you got to change, change it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so for you guys, did you have to change anything when COVID hit since you, you started a couple of years before? And then what did that look like for you guys? The first time in my life, it was like the first March of 2020. I remember very vividly. Our first year is 2019. Had a pretty good year. Tons of growth opportunity. We're moving into our new, he- our, our new space. In fact, our first month of payroll, because everybody was 1099 our first year. Uh, our first month of payroll was March of 2020, mm. which means we didn't get any PPP. Yeah. And I'm trying, I remember printing off the bill, the 1200 page stimulus bill, right? I remember yeah. printing it off and I'm, I'm going to get ahead of this. I'm going to know all this. I'm going to, I'm going to get ahead of this. And it was like May and I'm like, settle in. The first time in my life, I was content with the status quo. Mm. And um, all it did was disrupt our growth. We had really great clients. We were very lean because we were fairly new. We had moved into our space. By the grace of God, our contractor was a year late on our build out. So we were kind of rent free during the whole shutdown. Um, we were supposed to be moved in, but we were very lean. We didn't miss a payroll. We didn't have any layoffs, but it just killed our growth and almost mm-hmm. our mojo. So we went back underground. We, you know, finally were able to talk about what we had done, right? We went from startup marketing, selling a theory, an idea, uh, a vision, 
But now we had a year of a portfolio. We were mm-hmm. able to remarket and position ourselves as a one-year-old company um, that had worked in 12 industries as opposed to just, hey, you know, we do really creative stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think that helped us in 2021 really, you know, grow by 5x um, um, and really come out of the, of the shoot. I will say that even though we're quote unquote out of COVID, I still think there's a lingering effect. Like there's still this, this, this kind of plateau, like you kind of grow plateau, grow plateau, as opposed to just steady, consistent growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've had to, we've had to navigate that a little bit. Um, but I think it definitely changed our perspective, at least mine personally, as a, as an individual entrepreneur, leader of a company, I was content with holding on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, about the end of 2021, I could, you know, start to see, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel and, and that companies were getting ready to take some risk. There was capital flowing in the marketplace. There was disruption in industries, which obviously creates opportunity for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Awesome. So who, who do you love to serve? Like, what is your perfect client that comes to you? Uh, you're the s- second person that's ever asked that. One was one client said, who's the best client? What's the best client? I, you know, in the, in my world, there's this preconceived notion that internal marketing teams and agencies are like oil and water. Like, mm-hmm. and some of that is the internal team feels resentful that you're outsourcing certain things to an agency, which means we can't do it. Um, oftentimes the agency is given a lot more flexibility than the internal team. Like we're mm-hmm. given six months on a project that they were given six days, right? And they're like, oh yeah, I could have came up with that if you gave me six months, right? So there's this resentment, but I truly believe that the best work product are the ones where the internal team and the agency are working together, pipeline of information in, work product back out. They're providing us problems that need solved, the target market, the, um, the feedback and engagement. Um, that can come from a CEO or the CFO leader, just depending on the size of the company. But when it comes from an internal marketing team, I just think the creative process is expedited. And then the work product is really, really good. Um, when I and this has happened with uh, some companies and clients that are fairly close to me um, personally, um, where there isn't there isn't enough bandwidth internally, and the company looks to the agency and is like, "Make magic," you know, like in Wedding Crashers, "Make me a bicycle clown." Like yeah. that's what I feel like sometimes people say, like, "Make me a bicycle clown." Like I don't care. Like, but it's really. You, it's an intake of information, right? That onboarding process, mm-hmm. what problems do you need solved? Is it a messaging problem? Is it a, is it a, a marketing problem? Is it a placement problem? Is it, you know, you don't know who you are, what you do, why you do it. Um, uh, is it a reactive problem or a proactive problem? Um, but it's that engagement that I think is so incredibly important. Um, it's not, it's not done in isolation. And then, to come up with really creative, great co- content, um, most of the time, it is a labor-intensive process. Mm-hmm. There is a great TED Talk by Simon Sinek. I think it was one of his first ones where he talks about the difference between companies and leaders, and it goes down into the why. You know, Finding mm-hmm. the difference, the why, what makes you different than anybody else, um, that, that takes a lot of time. 
you know, our whiteboarding creative sessions are how we make international award-winning ads in our third year of business. Um, it's that we don't try to be all things to all people. We don't recreate uh, a storyboard or a script. It's all customized for the individual client, which requires a lot of information or uh, a lot of, I guess, brain dumps from, from the client. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, cool. So let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit back to you again. And yeah. um, I, so you, you mentioned you have kids. How old are your kids? Six and three. I have a six-year-old okay. little boy, Nolan, and a three-year-old who t communicates like she's 35-year-old little girl, Andy. She, <sighs> yeah. Three-year-old little girl looks at me the other day and she goes, Daddy, that is not appropriate. <laughs> what? <laughs> what, are you, what are you, you're, you're right but yeah yeah, yeah it's just uh, you have two little you have two girls i have two girls yeah they're so we're three years ahead of you six and nine uh, but so i uh, totally get that the confident little girl thing is just like yeah ridiculous <laughs> and yeah, awesome it is super super cool yeah cool so for you um what have you found to maintain i mean and, and maybe it's not exactly how you want it but like what have you found to be able to, you know, spend time with them, work, work on the business, have time with your wife and like have all these moving pieces in the air um, and have it be something that still feels like a good life. That, you know, I, I think when, when two kids, one of my, my one of my sayings was that, um, you know, the first kid changes your perspective on life in the world. It's just, it's like yeah. before Christ, after Christ, it's like, once you cross the Rio Grande, it's just, oil and water, you're never going back, right? Mm -hmm. The second kid really changes your marriage. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of work to then maintain that, that relationship. Um, it takes ridiculous amount of, of communication, um, and forgiveness and grace. Um, and so I think that's the hardest one. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's yeah. the hardest one. And the easiest to be like, well, the kids are our focus, the kids are our focus, even though we know that the mom dad relationship or is the most important relationship it's just easy to uh um kind of back, put it to the back burner and the other thing is my wife is the cfo of a, of a construction uh, commercial cabinetry and casework company so very demanding job um she's an entrepreneur brilliant woman um and so then you have you know i'm starting a young company too and um, two kids, it's, it, it's tough. So how do I find the balance? Um, there is a level of, of, of sacrifice, but you know, as w with that word, there's this like this, almost this negative connotation, like I'm giving something up. Mm -hmm. I like, you know, when it comes to this work-life balance, I, for me, it's about prioritization mm -hmm. and, you know, prioritizing yes means some things outrank other things. Um, and nothing outranks your kids and, you know, your family, but let's be honest, we, you, you also have to make a living and, and there's this idea that you want your kids to see you build something and be successful and go out and work hard. So there are those moments where you've got to be okay with, um, you know, telling the priority, the number one, number two, that like, this is really, really important to me personally and professionally and our family and try to explain it to them. Um, I just, I don't think there's an easy recipe. I think yeah. it's just this, this, this constant, um, balancing act and, 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 but 
it all starts with kind of what your priorities are and that I don't, I, I don't know if it's at 60 hours, 70, 80 hours, but there is this diminishing return that, you know, you're, yeah. you're useless. You're useless if you're not recharged. Um, yeah. 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 Do you, have you found any like specific, uh, like I don't do this or I, I do this now that you've found that has been really helpful for you? Well, a couple of things I, I tried to cheat the system, I think a, a little ways in the sense of like, I would, uh, I, I, I would chew. Like I was, I was addicted to chewing, um, like chew tobacco. Um, mm -hmm. and it gave me this, this energy. I would work till one o'clock, but like, you got to pay it back. Like there is no cheats. Like you don't get more than 168 hours in a week. I don't, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos and Donald Trump and Joe Biden, they all get the same amount of hours too. Right. Um, yep. and you can't cheat the system. So self care is tremendously important to mental care and good, the, the, the balance. Um, I do think it's a little bit easier when your kids are six and three versus when they're three and one or four and one. To, I was going to gonna talk, I was gonna mention that. Yes. <laughs> Much <laughs> easier. And I don't know if it's easier at six and nine versus three and six. I would say yes. Okay, they, that's good. I mean, it depends on the dynamic of the kids and everything. Right. But like in, in our case, like they've become such good buddies for the most part. Yeah. Like, yeah, they still fight their sisters, whatever. But like they, they might disappear for like three hours and just be playing together and totally content and fine. You're like, how did that happen? You know, you remember back to the one and three and you're like, this is crazy <laughs> yeah like like they're probably not going to fall down the steps as, as 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 much as they would the risk is less at nine and six the consequences yeah. are less too right so you're not actively um as engaged so one it gets yeah. easier um and that's where i think you gotta you gotta reset you know you gotta realize that you're going through a phase and if if you're acting the same way when your kids are six and nine as that you are when they were six and three as you were when they were four and one um you know, you, you, you gotta, you gotta reset the deck, so to speak. Um, so yeah. you can't cheat the system, no matter how much you try. Um, and I, when I was in public life, going to the grocery store was work for me. I embraced that it was work. I'm not complaining because that lady in the grocery aisle that was ringing me up, she was potentially a voter. I never got to turn it off. Mm. social media I was addicted to because it was my, it was my livelihood, you know, people commenting about a bill and feeling like, well, if I don't comment, they're going to think that I went to Harrisburg and I'm too good now. And I'm, I'm out of touch. Right. And so mm -hmm. this, this, this public life just sucks the life out of you. Another mm -hmm. reason why I believe in term limits that you can't be that your whole life. So then I think the biggest shift for me was that the public sector doesn't turn off. When you're elected official, but in the private sector, in the real world, work kind of ends at five or six. You can pick it up tomorrow. It'll be there, you know, shutting mm -hmm. it off. There's, you know, I am in the crisis communication business too. So there are those crises that, you know, you, you know, but those are, those aren't an excuse. Those aren't mm -hmm. an excuse to go back to work. Um, so I, I really think Sundays are off limits. I almost feel like, which never was the case for me, but I think it's almost disrespectful to ask anybody to work on a Sunday. And that's not just because I'm a Christian, right? In fact, that has nothing, you know, it's not necessarily about the Sabbath. I just think you need that day to reset going into Monday. Mm -hmm. And reset's not just about sleeping in or go to church. It's resetting with your kids, your family. It's being able to do the laundry. 
you know, picking that one day and just, just saying, no, like it is off limits unless it is a crisis situation, a nine one one. Um, and, and that means you also don't put those demands on your, on your employees. Like they need it too. So for me, yeah. it's almost never working on Sunday. Um, cool. Yeah. I think that's super important. So we need, we need space. We need, I mean, creatively too, if we don't, like you can be so much more creative. Like you hear it all the time, you know, you talk to people like, oh, I went on a walk or I was in the shower and boom, I had this great idea. Cause you're giving yourself that space to allow your brain to assimilate and wonder and do all that creative stuff that then allows you to, you know, ironically creating space to not work allows you to have more growth in the work that you are doing. Such a hard thing to do as the entrepreneur and business owner too. Where you, where you're, I'm still in the business. Literally, I'm on a on a shoot today, yeah. um, versus on the business. Um, when you're in and on, uh, it is really hard to give yourself free time, which really isn't free time. But it's it's that time to be creative. Without a doubt, I believe you're absolutely right that the create the freedom is where great ideas come from. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, I hyperventilate about forgetting those. And so that's where I'm rapping, you know, ripping off an email to myself or a text or something, but, but creating that, that dedicated time, um, I think is really important. And, and, and so many people I see in order to increase their productivity, to find that balance, they get super rigid, right? Well, I guess that means I got to be better organized. I need to know it's six o'clock. I got to do this, six thirty. this, no more. It's like, they become very rigid. That works for some people. But that isn't necessarily the solution. That's the mm-hmm. solution for that type of person. But mm-hmm. for me, it's actually doing less. It's clearing off the calendar so that in those moments, I can turn up the music, I can go for a walk, I can close the door um, and, 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 and really brainstorm. Yeah, love it. Okay, cool. Um, I got just a few minutes left. So uh, sure. two, two last questions. One, and you can apply this to any aspect, can be work, personal, whatever. What makes you feel fully alive? I, I don't know when it ends, but until it does, that hug when you walk in the door from the kids where they run down the steps. And I got it last night because I, I came home late from a meeting. And so it still happens at six and three where they fly down the steps and they give you this giant hug. I was away on a little, my first, like my first personal trip with my brother and a, and a couple of friends went on a golf trip for a few days. And my kids missed me as much as I missed them, but they were like, you know, and I said to my brother, whose kids are a little older, I'm like, I don't have much more time, like where they are expressing it outwardly as opposed to internalizing it or their own lives, right? They forget you're even gone. Or they embrace that you're gone, right? They think they can get away with stuff when you're gone. So for me, there's nothing more satisfying than that hug when you walk in the door. It, you know, it's it's like a Norman Rockwell. It's it, it, it's fairy tale, but I'm telling you, for me, it's oh, it's it's what fills my heart. Yeah, I totally relate to that for sure. I think that uh, just as a quick aside, as they get older, like uh, my intention is to create such a good connected relationship with my girls that they still have that as they get older that I'm not excited to see them. And I I think that can be cultivated and can be like intentionally created. It's just that I think most people aren't very intentional about that. It just life just happens and then just let let it, you know, so 
anyway, that's the side. I, okay. I definitely, and I, and I would say a hundred percent a mom or I'm sorry, a, a father daughter relationship could still have that glowing outwardly excitement for the rest of their lives. If cultivated, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. Awesome. So where can people uh, find out more information about you? Um, LinkedIn, um, Jim Christiana on LinkedIn, uh, m7.agency, uh, m7.agency, no.com, just .agency is, is our website. Instagram is probably my preferred social media platform. Uh, dad underscore JC3 is my personal one. And M7 underscore agency is our, uh, is our Instagram platform as well. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jimmy. It's Thanks, been an Dave. absolute pleasure. And I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Dave, Dave, thanks for having me. God bless you and your family and uh, happy Father's Day. Oh, thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to Sacrifice to Success podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please check out the link in the show notes and you can find all of the details there. If you got something out of this interview, would you please take a moment to share on social media? You can just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to somebody or post it on the socials. Let's see if we can change the narrative of social media and post valuable, positive content. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and they mean a lot to me. If you'd like to know more, go to my website, davidweavercoach.com, or you can follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Those links are also in the show notes. And I do also have a free training on my website as well. So thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time.